0: I mentioned a uh, while well ago that um, Terry and Em and I were coming back from Tennessee last week, and so we, we had to check out around uh, 10, and, um, but we, we got on the road a little bit earlier than that so that we could listen to the live stream in the car as we were driving. And um, so Dale's sermon was from Psalm 86. And and his point, I don't think he realized how it would lead into and be so congruent with what the text is for the day. Because his uh, focus was that the storms will come and and they will crash in on us, but we can withstand those storms if we lean into the everlasting arms of God. And, And so... Dale talked about last week uh, as he began his sermon that as a kid, he and his family would go to Myrtle Beach and that he would go on the strand and, and build sandcastles as a kid. And uh, he talked about you know, how uh, the waves would come in and crash those down. And, um, and he, he said, you know, but every day I would go back and I would build them again even though I knew that the waters were going to come up and the tide was going to come in and, and, and crash those down. Some of you know that I grew up about 20 uh, minutes away from North Myrtle Beach. I could literally leave my house and I could be sitting on the strand at Ocean Drive in 20 minutes, depending on traffic. Didn't do that on a Sunday afternoon because everything used to be Sunday to Sunday. Uh, Now it's more Saturday to Saturday. But uh, we would go down even during the week because we live close to the beach. And besides, uh, my dad worked about one block off of Ocean Drive's strand um, there. And so as a kid, we would go down and, and I never liked the sand. I really never liked you know, building sandcastles and getting sand all over me. Even when our kids were little and we would go down and spend time at the beach, it was everything in me, take all of me to get down in the sand with our little kids and and try to help them to build sandcastles. But we all know that there are beautiful sandcastles. Uh, Elizabeth's going to show you a couple of of sandcastles. I didn't build that. Uh, that's not one of mine. And this one is, is not one of mine either. Show the next one. So that's, that's not my sandcastle. I, I can't do that. Um, the next one is, yeah, this, that's my sandcastle. That's how my sandcastle would look. And, um, you know, I just, as an early age, I realized that building that sandcastle, that at some point, guess what happens? The waves come in and crash it down and so I thought this is kind of futile, right you go out every week and you or every day and you are on vacation and you build a sandcastle and what do you know the waves come in and they crash it down and so even as an early age I thought this just doesn't make sense to me so um, I didn't really didn't like building sandcastles knowing that they would come crashing down. Well, you say, well, what does uh, Dale's purpose of sand and beach and waves and erosion and all of that have to do? Well, our text today uh, has two foundations that Jesus ends this sermon with. And it is, I tell you, it is, it is powerful. Uh, we think of this story as just a cute story sometimes. Uh, we think about it, especially if you grew up in the church. The wise man builds his house upon the sand, and the rains come down, the floods come up, and the house stands firm. We had had motions with that. You remember that? In Sunday school, that's the song we sung. And and so when we read this text, often we think about that song, and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember doing that in Sunday school. But this text is powerful. It, It really is. It really is. So I hope that the Holy Spirit this morning will give us, you and me, um, what we need from this, his holy word. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, uh, either in hard copy or electronic copy, uh, we are, as I said, finishing the Sermon on the Mount, which has been, for me, a wonderful uh, work going through this uh, with you over this last year. And so we're at verse 24, and we'll read to the end of the chapter, verse 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish a foolish man who builds, built his house upon the sand. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus... Had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teachings. For he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. In 1174, an architect, Italian architect, um, Bonio Pisano, great name, um, he began a work of a famous eight-story bell tower in the city of pisa and all of you know as you will see that this is been referred to as the leaning tower of pisa there was the problem here and that is quickly builders and the architect realized that the soil was much softer than they had anticipated And so the foundation was too shallow to hold the structure and uh, it began to tilt. And it continued to tilt until finally they realized that there was nothing that they could do about it to straighten it. In fact, it tilted 18 feet from center. 18 feet center in December of 2001 the Tower of Pisa after being closed for 12 years for renovation finally reopened over those 12 years engineers spent 25 million dollars on the renovation project to stabilize the tower They removed more than a hundred and ten tons of dirt. And guess how much they reduced the tilt of the Tower of Pisa? 16 inches. Twenty-five million dollars. But they said they were pretty sure that it wouldn't tilt anymore that it could stay and stand firm, even though originally they had said that eventually it would collapse. Was it bad design? Was it that the workmanship was inferior or materials were inferior as they built the tower of what we call Pisa? No. Uh, It was all underneath. Everything that caused... It, to tilt, was under the ground or the ground itself. Did you know that the Sears Tower in Chicago, the foundation is 100 feet below the surface of the ground so that it would hold that tall structure? I think somebody learned something from other people maybe around the world. We see Jesus in this text use this these stories uh, of the, the rock and the sand, the house, and, and all of this. And, and he begins to contrast as he has been doing throughout the text. We have seen him contrast the, the yin and the yang, the two gates, the two rows, the two destinations, the actions and the blessings. Over and over again, he has talked about two options, and over and over again he has reminded us that there are two ways in life, and one way is his way and Christ's way being the only true way, or in life we choose everything else. So we are either on the road to heaven or the highway to hell. There's no middle ground. You've heard me say before, there's just no gray area when it comes to our salvation. You either are saved or you are not. You are either Christ is your Lord or Christ is not. And as we were to look at the last book of the New Testament, uh, we see that If you are straddling the fence, then the scripture says the Lord would spit you out of his mouth. And so, as we look at the text today, I want to look at some of these twos. The first is, there are two builders We're introduced to this story and he uses the wise man and the foolish man or you could say the wise individual and the foolish individual because ladies you do not get off the hook two individuals by all appearances they would look the same if, if, if we were to go out on any construction site what you would probably see is uh, a man or a woman that is building and they would have on basically the same attire they would have on the same uh, type of uh, security or safety uh, uh, vest uh, a hard hat to the naked eye they would look the same I mean, their skin color or male or female may be different, but they're using the same tools. They're committed to build in a way that they have been taught. So you have identical materials in most cases. They persevere to finish the task that's before them. But Jesus in this story divides into two builders, and once again Jesus has us to to think about this in our mind. In fact, he uses the word everyone twice in this text. Everyone is building. Each of us are building. We are building our lives before God. Our desires, our thoughts, our attitudes, our words, All our building blocks as we build this life in which we live. And over time, our life, this structure begins to to build, to to rise up. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is this Are you and I building to last or building to crash? Are we building our life to last, or are we building our life to crash? Jesus, as I said, uses the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man, the, the word wise in the Greek means to be thoughtful or understanding, prudent, to make proper and righteous or right decisions. Proverbs eight ten eight says, the wise in heart accepts commands, but the chattering fool comes to ruin. And, and, and so the wise man accepts the commands of, of God. The, the wise man is going to make right decisions. On the contrary, the other person that Jesus lifts up is the foolish man. It's a word is, uh, in, in the Latin is Morris, which means we get our word moron from this, but it is a a deficiency in making decisions. It it is one who makes foolish decisions. A a foolish man is one that would take shortcuts, one that wants quick results, one that wants instant gratification. A, A foolish man lives for the moment, doesn't build for the future. It's all about the here and the now. And, and we see that in our society. Uh, many of us cannot sit in a drive through more than one minute and say, is this really fast food? We, we get caught up in the moment and have very little thought at times for the future. Proverbs 14.1 provides a good contrast, and, and you will see that the uh, Solomon uses uh, the wise woman here. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands. The foolish one tears hers down. So you have the the wise builder and the foolish builder, and Jesus is contrasting these two individuals as they are building their life then there are two houses from from the outside the house may look identical Uh, they may look as if they are perfect clones uh, of each other but we don't know from looking at the outside of these two houses of what the foundation might be or what materials have gone into the house. The house may have the houses may have been finished and furnished and, and lived in, but we're not sure. We're not sure about the foundational pieces of the house. On the surface surface, they look the same. When the sun's shining, they look the same. But what we might not know is that when the storm comes, that something happens to one of these houses. Uh, Maybe equate it to your own life. As gaps appear in the walls, we tend to try to sure that up or or patch it up. As, As more holes appear, we try to fix that but it's only a temporary fix because when more storms come and more storms push against our house, what it is built on will come to fruition. The great gaps, the hideous holes show up and sometimes things that appear to be well and in good order are not. And, of course, that leads us to what those houses are built on. And Jesus tells us there's two foundations. And and, and the main difference between these builders and these houses are the foundations which were led and laid. Think about this. As, as we build and we create foundations, what is our base and what we have dug down to and made our foundation on as far as our life is what is going to carry us forward? And you say, well, wait a minute. I'm not like you. I was not 15 when I came to the Lord. Or I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't come to faith in Jesus until later in life. When you made that foundational change in your life, you began to build on Christ, who is our rock. Everything else is sinking sand. Do you remember last week when Dale said one of his favorite things was to go out into ocean and he would take his feet and you've done this and I've done this and you stand and you try to dig down and there's no wave going to move me and I'm going to stand here and you only do that just for a minute or two because within that next wave you're going to get moved, the sand under your feet is going to shift. There's, there's no way to stand firm in that. The contrast that, that Jesus gives, uh, if some of you will remember that while Matthew 5, 6, and 7 have the Sermon on the Mount, Luke also has a part or a recant in short form of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, is found in chapter 6 of Luke, and I'm just going to read a portion that's dealt with as far as our text today. And I want you to hear, again, the contrast, but because of Luke writing this instead of Matthew's writing uh, the sermon in its entirety there, listen to what Luke says. This is worth starting with verse 47 and through 49. Everyone, and here's that word again, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a a man building a house, and listen to what he says, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, and the torrents burst against the house. It could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who builds a house on ground without any foundation. And the torrents burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, collapsed, and the ruin of the house was great. And so we we hear this word rock, building on the rock, Petra. This is not just a stone. This is something that, that, that we build on. It's a bedrock. It's stable. It's immovable. It's something that, As you build your house on it, it's not going to fall or fail you in any way. Christ is the rock. The sand is self. And if we are building our foundation on ourselves, we are in trouble. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, the 11th verse, Paul says, For no one can lay any foundation other than, he's talking about this as you read the chapter in context, he's talking about building on Christ, other than the one that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only firm foundation. We could have sung the song this morning or at least the chorus my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ his blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name on Christ the solid rock I stand You remember the rest of it All others saying Yep The storms are going to come so we have two builders two houses two foundations that Jesus is giving us but I want you to look at the storm. The storm is the same. In every instance, the storm is the same. You say, no, it's not. Yeah, it is because it's the world that's pushing in against us. Every one of us face the storms of life. We face these storms that, that, that come against us. We've had three named storms this year. Cindy has just uh, cut out to, I think, the Atlantic or is no more, but um, uh, that was our, our, our last name storm. Did you know that Don is next? Woo! And guess what? Franklin's coming. <laughs> Woo! I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm not afraid of Don, but man, Lord help us if Franklin comes. <laughs> Man, can't wait for that storm. The storm's going to strike. You know, it's, it's going to drench us. The problems of life drench us in driving rain. The stress that surrounds us are the floodwaters sometimes that rise around us. The pressures that pound on us because of the world in which we live in. Those are the whipping winds that come and hurricane-force winds that want to push us over. So the storm hits both houses. No individual is immune to the storm. No individual is immune to the adversity. Do you remember when we were looking at chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus said this in verse 45? He, being Jesus, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. There are no storm-free zones. There are no storm-free zones. All of us are going to face at some time a storm or multiple storms in our life. And the storms become a wake-up call often for us. The storm will cause us to test our faith. The storm will often cause us to ask questions. I'm often asked, I I, I can't tell you the number of times that someone hasn't said to me, how do people get through this stuff without the Lord? And my response usually is, not very well. Not very well. So, we face the same storm. You're not going to escape from it. You have to make sure that your foundation is secure and right and on the rock, which is Christ, because there's only two destinations. There's only two destinations. The word that's used here in the Greek, is beat, and it means to violently hit or violently crash against something. And so, while hard times will come, nothing will compare to the future that we have once either Christ comes back or we face him at our death. There's only two Destinations, And Christ says, you've built your foundation on the rock or not. And if not, then there's going to be a great crash. And that great crash is going to be the result of eternal separation and everlasting torment. It will be drastic, dreadful. And unfortunately, many are unprepared. The wise, on the other hand, or the one who has built their house, their foundation on Christ, will stand secure in that foundation. Storms on the outside reveals what's on the inside. Storms on the outside reveal what's on the inside. The Hebrew writer in the 12th chapter and the verses on the screen, but I didn't put the, I didn't write out the verse for you. Uh, but I want you to hear what the Hebrew writer says. Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The word once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things so that, and we know there's some important things that follow, so that, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And so the Hebrew writer is telling us, there's going to come a time when everything is shaken, and there's only two destinations, and, and the one that can be shaken is going to be removed, and the one that is built on Jesus Christ is going to remain, and cannot shaken now if we look at the main point of Jesus's story in this text we we hear Jesus say both individuals had the privilege of hearing these words and it's important that we hear that he says these words He's talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Now, yes, it is important for us as we are 2,000 years later. We have the Scriptures, but here Jesus is talking about this sermon. In, In verse 24, he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like. Will be like. And so, think about what Jesus has given us in this text. It is so crucial for us to understand what he has preached in these three tra- chapters. He doesn't say that we are wise if we merely hear his words, he doesn't say that we are wise if we read his words. He, He doesn't say that we are wise if we study his words. He doesn't say that we are wise if we have advanced degrees so that we can research his words. He doesn't even say we are wise if we preach his word. Now, all of that is good. Don't get me wrong. All of that is good. But what Jesus says here. He is wise if he acts upon my words. In essence, as we come to faith in Jesus Christ and our foundation is built on Christ, Christ calls us to be obedient to what he has taught us. And yes, all of his word is pertinent to us. It is our precepts, our foundation that we live by but there is something special that Jesus is talking about as he has shared these foundational truths. Do you remember them? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle and the humble, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are merciful, who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers. Who have been persecuted and insulted because of me, Jesus says. He taught us to be salt and light, not to hate. He taught us about divorce. He tells us about how to tell the truth and keep his commandments by our commitments. He told us to turn the other cheek to love our enemy. He taught us how to give, how to pray, how to fast. He taught us not to share or to store up uh, treasures in heaven, I mean on earth, but in heaven so that they can be shared. Do not store up your treasures on earth, he says. He taught us how that we shouldn't worry. We should not judge according to our standards, to ask, to seek, to knock at his door. He taught us about the narrow path. He taught us about watching out for false teachers. He taught us that we are to bear fruit for his glory. And now he tells us, look, these are foundational truths, these words of mine are foundational pieces that have to be a part of your life, that should be a part of your foundation that you build on. These are foundational truths. So how do we build on these foundational truths that God has given us? The first is we have to stop making excuses. Stop excusing our disobedience. I am so frustrated when someone comes to me and says, I know what the Bible says, but. I know what the Bible says, but, you know, um, not all of that I buy. I know what the Bible says, but God changed his mind. I know but the, what the Bible says, but God is not a God of justice. He's a God of love. And, and everyone God loves, and so everyone's going to heaven. I know what God's word says, but I really, I can't buy that. That's what the fool says. If we are wise, we would say, I know what the Bible says, and I obey it. I know what the Bible says, and it has authority over my life. I know what the Bible says, and it tells me about God and what he has done for me through Jesus Christ. And that's my foundation. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Obey the word of God. Listening is different than living. Listening is different than acting. Jesus knows that these have gathered on the hillside. They have heard him preach. They have heard what he has said. And now he is telling them, not only did you hear, but I expect you to take action. If we had gone just a verse before our confession and went to 119, Psalm 119 verse 4, instead of of going, you know, we went all the way to 105, but if we'd have backed up several verses, we would have heard the psalmist say this, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. So, Stop making excuses for our disobedience. A second way is to prepare for the storms. The storms are going to come. I told you there's no free zone of storms. They're going to come, and what we need to realize is that it's not just a matter of us holding on to Christ. It's our recognition that Christ is holding on to us. Christ holds on to us in the midst of those storms Hebrews 6:19. we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. It is firm and it is secure. That anchor is Christ. Storms can be a good thing. They can test us. They can turn us back. If we have turned in some way away, we have to prepare for the storms because they are going to come. Thirdly, and I'll quickly get this wound up, Thirdly, check your foundation. Many churchgoers are in danger—not of if your salvation is is there, it's secure—but many churchgoers are in danger of doing a lot of listening but not much living out what they hear. And, and Paul, in the at, for the church of Corinth, in the second letter. In, verse, in chapter 13, he says, examine yourselves to see where you're at in your faith. Test yourselves to see where you're at in your faith. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? And then Paul says, unless, of course, you fail the test, meaning that Christ Jesus is not in you, you are not saved. We have to check our foundation from time to time to make sure we're we're standing on those firm truths. And fourth, turn your house into a home. And, and and this, I thought about this and I started to leave it out. But as a parent, are we building our house into a home? How are we pouring into our children, our grandchildren, the word of God? How are we instructing? Your kids are under construction. Your grandkids are under construction. And how you start them and how they are taught and how uh, they, are, uh, they look at Christ in the church and his word are foundational pieces that they need to be a part of their life. They need to build on Christ the solid rock. Or they would be in great danger of being swept away. The psalmist 127.1. Unless the Lord builds your house. its builder. Labors in vain. Building the house on foundation, foundational truths. For your house to make it a home is a must. And then finally Jesus teaches us. About his authority. And we can't miss those verses when jesus or when matthew tells us that when jesus had finished these words the crowds were amazed at his teaching teaching for he was teaching them as one with having authority not as their scribes we must remember the find that foundational truths come through the authority of God's word. It comes through the authority that has been spoken, given to us, this inspirational peace that God has given us, this, his word, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. No one in this world can promise to save you. No one in this world can give you eternal life. No one in this world can forgive you of your sins. It is only Jesus, and it's only by his authority that we build our house and have a foundation that is secure. So I read this story um, years ago, and you may have heard it um, There was a a builder that was finally going to retire. He had been building in this particular city for years, had a great reputation. And and he was going to retire, and he was done. And and a a new client came to him and said, I want you to build one last house. Please, would you just build me this house? And he agreed. As he got into the building, for the, the first time in his life, He just didn't have the passion that he had had before. And he cut some corners, and he used some inferior materials in the building. And and he felt it, and he felt it inside. He had just never done this before, but yet he, he wanted to be done. He wanted to be finished. He wanted to be home. But he finished the house. And then, finally, the day came that he was going to turn the house over to his wealthy client. And the carpenter received word by telegram from his client. And this is what the telegram said. I'm aware of your reputation as a builder. I am so thankful that you agreed to to build this house. I know how hard you have worked for your clients throughout the years of your career. I know what you have meant to this community. And so with your retirement, I want to give you this house. The carpenter was shocked. He was heartbroken. If he'd have known beforehand... It was going to be his house. You think he would have used inferior pieces or anything? No, he would have used the best. This reminds us of how we build our house, much like the carpenter. What are the materials that we are using? Are we using faith and love and grace, mercy and forgiveness and kindness, or the opposites? Is our workmanship of our lives purposeful? Is it pursuing excellence so that we can glorify God? Or are we shoddy in the building? One day, the house building project, which is our life, will be complete. And each of us will stand before the Lord, and we will give an account of this workmanship Don't be like the carpenter in the story. Be prepared. Build intentionally on the foundational truths that God has given us. Build right. Our motivation ought to be to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so there are two questions that I'll leave you with, and we'll pray. What kind of house are you building, and what are we using for foundational truths let's pray father again we thank you for your word we thank you father that you have called us not only to yourself but you have given us the foundational truths that we need that we are to live by you you didn't leave it to ourselves to figure that out but you gave us the commands you gave us the precepts you gave us the foundational truths that we are to live on. And I pray, Father, today that we would take mind of that. We would examine the foundation. Are there any cracks that need to be shored up? Are there things that we need to set aside? What are the foundational truths that we are building on? What materials are we using? Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Because with your foundational truths, as we stand on them, as we sure up our foundation for you, live righteously for you, we glorify you, which is our purpose for living. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to serve and glorify you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.